Chapter 3 The smell of rooibos tea brewing on the stove travels throughout the house. Nkhonu always brews her rooibos on the stove for 10 minutes. She believes the heat brings out the flavor of the tea. As she waits for the tea to be ready, she opens her clear tupperware to pick Ntate Piri's favorite biscuits. She took the tray with red flower patterns and placed two teacups and saucers in their matching teapot. When the tea was ready, she warmed the milk in the microwave and poured the tea into the teapot. Here is the tea, Ntate, says Nkhunutsidi as she places the tray on the dining room table. Ntate Piri puts down his newspaper and joins her at the dining room table. Ah, this smells great. Kialaboha. Is uh, Kia still sleeping? Asked Ntate Piri. Nkhunutsidi nods her head in response. As she pours tea for Ntate Piri, she asks, What time is the tent arriving for Kia 16th today in Ntate? Uh, in the afternoon, I, I told them that we have to put the tent up today so that you can do the decorations before tomorrow. I hope Sibanyoni is on time. You know how some of our people are got a deadline. One doesn't that appear as he sips his tea. Does that mean we have to go to see Kia's mother this morning before things get crazy? Asked Nkhunutsidi. Every year, a day before Kia's birthday, they go to visit her mother. Before Ntate Piri could respond to Nkhunutiri's question, Kia enters the room. Good morning, everyone. What's for breakfast? I'm starving. Asked Kia, who immediately after asking is glued to her phone. How are we going to answer you when you are looking at your phone? Ay, this generation, Mar. Responds Ntate Piri as he tries to gain Kia's attention. Kia? Get your head out of that phone and go make yourself a sandwich in the kitchen. There's still some rooibos on the stove. We're going to visit your mother, so don't take your time eating. We have a busy day ahead, commands Nkhunutsidi. Kia does as she is told, but cannot fully get her head out of her phone. Whatever that was happening on the phone is more engrossing than her hunger. She makes herself a peanut butter and jam sandwich. She did not bother to use a tray to carry her tea, sandwich, and phone. As she tries to juggle the three, she spills some tea on the dining room table. Gia, look what you did. Give me that phone, demands Ntate Piri. Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll clean up, says an apologetic Gia. It's fine, I will clean up. Give your phone to your Ntate Mokhul. We have to discuss the menu for tomorrow, replies Nkhunutsiri. Kia mutters some words under her breath. The menu topic has been divisive for the last couple of weeks. You know what I want. I want a pizza party for my 16th. Nothing has changed, says a confident Kia. She decides that she should make the first move in this family chess game. But none. Adults cannot be eating pizza here. What about your grandfather's friends? Huh? They are men. They expect meat. Pizza doesn't have meat, fires back Nkhunutsidi. Ah, uh, well, we can order meaty pizzas then, <laughs> adds a laughing gear. She knew that her comment was funny. 
you know how your grandfather is. Meat must be connected to the bone. Otherwise, it isn't meat. Right, Ntate? Asked Nkunutsiri, making sure that he could see that she expects him to agree with her. Ah, very true. You know what? 16 years is a milestone. Let us do both. The children can have pizza, the adult will have pup and meat with bones on it. You're only 16 ones. Let us make the best of it. I'm going to get the car ready. We leave in five minutes. Commence Ntate Piri. He has had enough experience when it comes to being diplomatic when there were disagreements between the two ladies of the house. Thank you, Ntate Mohol. Can I have my phone back, please? Kia receives her phone. Everyone does their last things before they leave to see Kia's mother. On the drive there, Kia is still on her phone. Mkhonutsidi ends up asking her what is so important on her phone. Kia explains that she is talking to someone on her phone. The family arrives at the cemetery to visit Kia's mom. Okay, we have to remember to be respectful here. Kia, your phone must be off or on silent. And it must stay in your pocket. Understood? Says a stern tatepiri. Kia agrees and puts her phone in her pocket. They walk towards Kia's mother's tombstone. When they arrive, they realize that they left the bouquet of flowers in the car. Kia offers to fetch them, but her grandparents tell her that they will go fetch it later. Kia looks uncomfortable speaking to her mother's tombstone. She never met her mother, as her mother passed on giving birth to her. She has never voiced her discomfort about this family tradition because she did not want to make her grandparents feel like she wasn't grateful for them. To them, Gia's mother is their daughter and they knew her from birth until her last day. For Gia, her mother is a mythical stranger that everyone talks about fondly. After her grandparents were done talking to her mother, they give Gia the chance to speak to her alone. Yontate Mokhule and I will go fetch the flowers. We think you should have privacy with your mother, says Nkhonutsidi, as she holds Ntate Piri's hand. As they walk away, Kia grows increasingly uncomfortable. She doesn't have anything to say to her mother. To make herself feel better, she takes out her phone and continues her conversations with people. She's so engrossed that she does not see her grandparents return with the flowers. Gia, this is disappointing. We agreed. Give me that phone now, demands Ntate Piri. His face is filled with rage and it scares Gia. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Gia apologizes but tries to hide her phone. Give him that phone, Gia, demands Nkhunutsidi. I said I was sorry. It, it won't happen again. Look, look, I'm even going to switch it off. Kia tries to act as if the phone is switched off. But Ntate Piri grabs the phone and begins to read out loud what she had written. Dude, now I have to come speak to this stone where they buried my mom. I don't know why I must call her mom when I don't know her. Plus, she can't even hear us. I wish I was at home. Kia. What is this that you are telling people? Who 
are you talking to like this? Asks a broken-hearted Nkonutsidi. It's nobody, replies Gia. She is embarrassed after hearing her own words read to her. Do you mean these things you are saying to this nobody, Gia? Asks an irate Ndadepiri. No. Well, kind, kinder. I just don't have anything I can say to her because I, I never met her. You, you guys tell me stories about her, but I can't relate. To me, she and my dad are the same. Just people I, I never met and can never meet. Why do you tell the world but not tell us about how you feel? Asked that Depiri. The tone in his voice shows how disappointing her words are to him. Why are we doing a big party for you tomorrow? If you're ungrateful like this in your heart, Gia. Adds Nkhunutiri. I am grateful. I was scared to disappoint you. I was scared you would react like this. Honestly, the two of you are my parents. I'm sorry. Really sorry. If I could take it back, I would, but I can't. You can cancel tomorrow's celebration if it makes you feel better. Pleads an apologetic and teary-eyed gear. We won't cancel it. We're doing it to honor your mother as well. She died to give you life. I won't punish her for your foolishness. Replies in that period. He hands Kia her phone back and walks away. Kia breaks down in tears and Piri goes to her and comforts her. Yontate Mokhul is angry, like I am. But he will forgive you. Just like I will. We love you, man. Kaleratola love. Self love is the foundation of being able to love others well. The more you hate yourself, the more unhealthy your relationship with love will be with those around you. Comments, the present social worker Tulani, as he addresses the parole support group. Mulatlech is one of the 10 group members who attend these group therapy sessions. It is a recommended service for those who want to go out on parole. There is a lot of mental preparation needed when it comes to leaving prison and staying out. Mulatlehi hears the words from the social worker, but it does not resonate with him, which leads to him asking, So is it possible to love yourself if there's no hope for you in the world? I mean, what would I be loving myself for if all my existence would be spent behind bars? The social worker is stumped by the question. He decides to take that question and give it back to the other participants. So we have heard what Mulakehi asks. Who else struggles to feel love without having hope? 
How then are you able to survive prison if you have no hope? Group members share their experiences in prison. They highlight how different life is in prison when they do not have hope. They did not care. They did not try to better themselves. However, when the possibility of parole came, it did give them hope. The hope of leaving prison gave them a sense of worth. They were able to look themselves in the mirror and want to be better people. The idea of being the same person that entered prison once they left it made them wonder how it would make the people they returned to feel. That right there, gentlemen, is the secret. A life lived without manufacturing hope is a life that lessens our value and our values. All of you have good inside of you. When you do not have hope, you no longer show that goodness. Instead, you allow the worst parts of you to define you. Even if your hope is based on something that may never happen, having hope will make you bring forward a better version of yourself. And there is no telling what doors that version of yourself will open. So, Mulatlehi, you will not love yourself completely if you have no hope for a future. They go hand in hand. So don't let go of hope, no matter how small or fragile it may seem. Things tend to get better for those who have hope and self-love than those who have neither. Gentlemen, let's end the session with a prayer and we'll meet again soon. The social worker ends the session with a prayer and hugs each man goodbye. As Mulatlehi waits to be taken to his cell, Wadamaruleka comes to tell him that his lawyer was there for him. She takes him to the lawyer and gives them their privacy. Mo, how are you? asked Pearl. She couldn't read his facial expressions or his body language. I'm not sure, Pearl. I'm trying to be hopeful, but at the same time, I don't like how it feels when your hopes are destroyed or misplaced replies Mulatleri. I understand. That's why I never told you I was coming. I have good news for you. Pearl walks towards Mulatleri and takes his hands. Liko, the activist, says they have a lead. There is hope. So tomorrow for your birthday, hopefully, we have more concrete news to share with you. You came all the way to tell me this? I'm not sure that this is what counts as good news. You raised my hopes, Pearl, replies a disappointed Mulatleri. I guess I, I guess I wanted to see you, you know. Our last meeting left you disappointed. So I really wanted to show you that I'm, I'm not giving up. That we are not giving up. Maybe that could help you to not give up on yourself, but I, I guess I got this wrong. No, no, you didn't. I'm sorry, Pearl. I'm going through a lot. You are good to me. I never would have made it this far without you. Even this hope that I feel leaving me would not be there were it not for your good work. Pearl is visibly moved by Mulatlehi's words. 
She says goodbye to him and they both return to their homes.